Is your workday feeling a little long? That's maybe because you missed Jane Lindley Thomas. So this afternoon, uh, we welcome a mom into our studio, one of my favorite types of people. Welcome to East Coast. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. So you have decided to come forward, which I think is such a brave thing, and chat about the experience um, that you've had with your son. I see that this is a very accomplished man, especially in the mountain biking fraternity, if I can call it that. Yes. But you've had a pretty testing, to put it lightly, time. Take me mm-hmm. back to the beginning of this journey. Well, our son started at youth and his behavior just went downhill. We couldn't understand what was going on. He's a type 1 diabetic and we were warned as a diabetic, as when he hits puberty, he'll be difficult and it's the worst time to sort of, you know, be dealing with diabetes and puberty. Mm. So we thought, okay, his behavior change was because of that. We've been under different specialists. We then changed our psychiatrist, who is a professor, to another psychiatrist. We went there because he was having these outbursts and became um, violent with the family and just didn't care what he did, what he said. So yeah, so it made it made life very difficult. Um, we spent thousands on different brain scans because we thought maybe through a cycling accident he he had been airlifted earlier in the year that uh-huh. he'd damaged something, and they ran one brain scan after the other and couldn't find anything. Then we were told he has intermittent explosive disorder, and then we were told he's oppositionally defiant, and the list of names went on and on. And at this stage, nobody even thought to test for drugs. He then. It got very aggressive with my husband one night. A couple of times we had police come around mm. from being a very clean, proud person. He didn't want to shower. He used foul language all the time. We would make him shower. Wasn't brushing his hair, didn't want to brush his teeth. I'd make him get out of bed. And he loved his animals and just neglected all of them. So it became our job. His whole passion is he loves snakes and spiders and rats and like all these like funny creepy crawlies <laughs> and he just he lost interest in everything and we just thought it's his age it's diabetes and carried on trying and trying we went overseas they were racing in world championships went over and his behavior was just so bizarre he wanted a vape we said you're not having a vape and he insisted and eventually to keep the peace because we're in a foreign country we thought we can't get police involved if he has a meltdown let's get him a vape so we got we got him a vape there and it was like this vape doesn't work this vape's not working and we're like well what do you mean it's not working no it doesn't work he's got one at home and it works better so we're like well a bit confused but all right we need to keep the peace um he ended up going missing we had to report him as a missing person he stuck a fork through his finger trying to open the air vent on this vape thing and we're like what are you doing now I'm missing all the signs that there's obviously something that he's trying to get or achieve from this vape eventually he he was just so out of control we got him another vape because we thought, you know, we're going to all end up in jail here. Got him a vape and he was like, this one doesn't work. This is not working. None the wiser. Don't know what's going on. Mm. Get home. We book him into an anger management thing. And it's one of the rehabs here, Akiso. We get him to Akiso and he loses the plot completely. He destroys the place. So we had for about five and a half hours that we were struggling with him. Mm. They've got the whole thing on video footage. He he was stronger than five men put together. And he's not a big guy. 
and he eventually kicked through a big security window. It, well, the window wasn't big. It's one that they can look through. He was in a lockdown facility. We eventually managed to get out from there, and they locked him in the room. He destroyed the room. He kicked through this window. He ripped his leg to shreds, bleeding, and he was still this raging lunatic. And they said he's going to need to go to Boys Town or to Town Hill because there's something really wrong with this kid. And we were like, but we don't know. He's never, he's never been like this. He's never been an aggressive person. Him and his brother have had their normal spat. He's he's never been an easy kid because, you know, he is a very daring kid. You tell him not to do jump off something, he'll jump off it. He's like... That's why he does the downhill and enduro. Mm. We couldn't understand what was happening. They had to sedate him heavily, take him away. Got a, a call in the morning from um, St. Augustine's to say, we're having a problem, you're going to have to come fetch him. We got there and we said, we're going to check you out now. He was very agitated. But at this time, we don't know he's having withdrawal from drugs. So we go in, we go to check him out. We say he's got to be patient. He then makes a run for it, runs into the parking lot. There's security guards that tackle him. The psychiatrist that we were seeing at the time was away. I kept sending him letters to say, please help us. We don't know what's happening with our child. Um, the behavior is just out of control. So that was on the Saturday morning. They told us to get him into a, a facility like Town Hill. We had to take him to King George Hospital. So we took him there. Eventually we thought, no, we're actually going to steal him out of there because once you've signed those papers, you've signed your child over. They had no lockdown facility to put him in. He was going to stay in an open ward right by the car park where he could make a run for it and we would have a huge problem. So we said, no, we can't leave him. And they said, well, you've signed him over. So when they were changing nurses, we grabbed him and we left. Got home and he was very heavily sedated still because he'd had two injections of Ativan and he'd had four Ativan tablets. So he was he should have been knocked out. Got home, he slept. Next morning he woke up and he was very agitated. And he said to my husband, I need cigarettes. And we like, but you don't, you don't smoke. And he said, I need cigarettes. So we said, well, to keep the peace, because now we've had police, we've had all sorts of things at the house, buy him cigarettes. So he bought him cigarettes. He smoked the whole box and he wanted more cigarettes the next day. So I said to my husband, no, this, there's something wrong. So he said, uh, he, because we said, you actually need to have help. We need to get help. If there's something gone wrong with you do you know what it is no he doesn't know though in the hospital he had said to us that he had had vape juice that was given to him through somebody he had met at youth that we need to find out what's in it because the first time he had it he didn't feel well and it burnt his throat really badly and we said well you know so I phoned the person it was a young girl 11 years old that he met at youth that mm -hmm. had given it to him and I phoned her and she said to me uh, she'll find out what was in it then she phoned me back and said it was drain cleaner Oh my gosh. So I said, okay, why, why would you put drain clean in it? Then she messaged me and said, oh no, the person that she said it was from, it wasn't really from that person. It was somebody she had met at Watercrest Mall and they gave it to her and she thought it would be fine. It just had strawberries and blueberries. So I said, well, it's not fine. My, my kid is in hospital and I sent her a photo. So she said, okay, she'll try find the guy that supplied it to her. Anyway, so we thought, okay, there's something in it. That's where we got Brad Nathanson involved. We phoned Brad and said, look, this is what's been going on. He's in hospital. Um, he's going into these violent rages where he destroys property. He's injured my husband. He's mm. out of control. So he said, okay, keep it. I'm going to come and get it. We'll have it analyzed and we'll take it from there. But he said there is a huge drug problem up here. And, um, you know, everybody thinks you're in the upper highway area. It's... 
you know, your kids are at good schools. And okay. so he's homeschooled, doesn't leave the property. He's with us on weekends because all we do is my husband and both my sons ride. So it's training for downhill. It's training for enduro. So we thought, well, the last thing on our mind is drugs. So anyway, on the Monday morning, he says um, he needs to go and see this guy that he knows from um, youth. So I said, okay. He says, can I take them to Watercrest Mall and buy them a milkshake? So I said, fine. So we go up, pick this guy up. But now we'd, I'd met him once before. I had to go take my son there. He said he wanted to go fetch something. So we went up and I said to my husband, it was very suspicious, but didn't think too much of it. That was the Monday. We got up there and I said to them, I'll take them for a milkshake. We got there and this kid said, um, no, ask your mom for the money. So I said, well, if you want a milkshake, I will pay for it. So then he came back to me and said, um, no, he says we want to go to Mug and Bean. Can we have the money? We'll give you the receipt. And I said, absolutely not. Then he said he wants they want to go to the tobacconist. So I thought, okay. So I walked there with them and they said, oh, can I buy this stuff for Hubbly Bubbly? So I said, well, you don't smoke a Hubbly Bubbly. No, this boy's invited him back to go and have a Hubbly Bubbly with him. And I said, absolutely not. So he said, well, I'm phoning dad because you're being mean. Now he hasn't had a cell phone for ages because when he was mugged, it was taken. So I said, okay, here's my phone, phone dad. So my husband said, bring the kid back to our house. Want to meet him. Brought him back. My husband eventually took him home later that evening they made a hubbly bubbly and I went out and I said I would like to taste it because my husband watched them make it and he said well he'd watched them it was all fine but since this happened my son's in a rehab we saw him for the first time this weekend um, he said that after I left something was put into it so I said okay and um, that was the Monday night he went straight to bed I said to him shower he's not showering he's not doing anything so I said fine so I said to my husband the next day please don't go to work I'm just not happy about the situation can you work from home so I was making tea. It was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'd, we've got a breakfast nook. I passed my husband his tea, and next minute my son comes down, and he walks past me. He takes a bowl out the kitchen drawer, and then he walks over, and he gets some wax wrap paper out my other drawer. So we look at each other, and I say, do you want some tea? Well, no, he doesn't want tea. So I said, okay. He sat down, and he opened this tiny little bag, you know, like a miniature Ziploc bag, but with so such a little bit of stuff in it. So I thought to myself, okay. Okay, what is that? So my husband looked at me, he shook his head as if, don't say anything. So he made himself a little cigarette and he walked outside. Now, he, he's never smoked in front of us. He's not allowed to smoke. He doesn't smoke. He's 15, right? He's 15. He's just turned 15. So he walks outside, he lights his thing. So I say to my husband, well, if that's marijuana, he should actually be quite relaxed and quite pleasant. So hopefully it does make a change. Anyway, he walked back in and he sat down and he smiled and uh, like smiled at him and we'd, my husband and I said, we're not saying a word, we'll just see where it goes from here. Then he started getting very agitated. So I said to him, you know what, my boy, I'm actually going to go and buy a drug test. I want you to do a drug test because you can get them from the pharmacies. They're 80 rand and it does a five-in-one drug test. He said, okay, I'm coming with you because I don't do drugs. I said, well, what did you just smoke he said I smoked herbs so I said okay well it's not like Dacha to me because it didn't look like Dacha but when he smoked it you could smell it so he got in the car and said I'm coming with you so my husband got in the car the pharmacy met us outside in the driveway passed it to us and I thought okay when we get home he's going
going to start protesting about doing this drug test. I said to him, when you're ready to have a wee, let me know because you need to wee on this thing. I, I'll do it right now because I want to prove to you I don't do drugs. I said, okay. He took it. He went and weed in it. I took the test out. We put it in. Instantly came up OPI, THC, I think it is, for the, the Dacha. And uh, I looked at my husband and I said, what's OPI? So he said, okay, Googled it. He says, no, it's heroin. So I said, You've, this is heroin. So he said, well, what is heroin, mom? So my husband read to him what heroin was, and he lost the plot. And he got hold of the Cliff Community Policing Forum. Um, there's a lady there that's been working with us on all this. And um, phoned her, and he was hysterical, screaming, they're trying to kill me, they need to be arrested, they've given me heroin. So she got um, a trauma counsellor around to us, and eventually we had police and everybody there because he lost the plot. He now, he was in a rage, he wanted to drink pool acid he was running around with a big uh, two liter thing of pool acid trying to open it because he's going to drink it and pour it on himself he was shouting to the SAP shoot me just shoot me we ended up my husband eventually managed to get him down we had neighbors we had everybody on the property trying to help we had five big paramedics from ER24 working with him trying to contain him we had we got belts we had him tied up in belts he was he was like a, a different child he was like possessed he, he it was not our child and this is what we had been dealing with a number of times anyway they um, got him into hospital they had to give him um, we'd given him Ativan we'd given him four Ativan tablets because that's what the doctor had given us for when we went overseas so if he felt a rage coming on we just gave him those and he would be okay gave him the Ativan tablets they gave him two vials of Dormican which they say could put the whole lot of them down and he still was not he was still like fighting got him in the ambulance took him through to St. Augustine's where they then decided to unstrap him because now this kid shouldn't be waking up he jumped up he ran out the hospital and ran into the traffic where the ER24 guys tackled him in the road they eventually got him back they had to give him another injection to sedate him then when they realized um, how much heroin and that he had in his body and they moved him into ICU. The professor that has worked with us in the past and has been was trying to help us with the situation because we, we had phoned and, and he was taking our calls on weekends. He said to us, this kid's had angel dust. And I said, well, what is angel dust? And he said to me, it should be called devil dust but go and Google it. And I went home and I Googled it. It's PCP. It is the most horrific thing. They used to use it in the 60s before you went in for your op. So it was your, to anesthetize you. But people were coming around and destroying hospitals and becoming extremely violent. And this professor said to me, he's had a number of kids brought in in the same conditions. So they ran full blood tests in that. And he was in ICU for four days. Came out of ICU. They had to keep him very heavily, heavily sedated. And whilst they're giving him the, um, trying to get him off the heroin and that, they are having to give a method. It's also an OPR to, so as you don't go into cardiac arrest and die from shock so they were administering this and I mean all the while my husband and I are like horrified we had no idea any of this is going on we're thinking how does he get it he's at home I'm at home I'm a stay-at-home mom so I take my kids to their sports and that and then my my mom lives on the property so there's always somebody with him his teacher also said that he'd seen a huge change in his behavior and that and because um, he'd come back to help us with teaching him because he had been he'd retired after two years of teaching him at home he retired and we had another teacher in who couldn't deal with it he left so he said he will come back and he just said that this child has like regressed his behavior his um, schoolwork everything 
So we have now obviously put two and two together and found out exactly what it is. But from hospital, Akiso took him back because now it was a drug-related rage. The people that were working with us brought in a whole a group of people, undercover people that are working on, on the case. They then also came to, uh, asked if they could have a meeting with us the one day and we said absolutely. They organized the trauma counselor there. An ex-heroin addict came to talk to us to help us to know what was going on. They then said that they brought a person from human trafficking in that deals with the kids that are trafficked and said that no easy way to tell you, but it looks like your child was about to be trafficked. So we said, well, you know, what do you mean trafficked? Because, uh, you you know, he's he's not a little boy. He's, you know, he's six foot. He might be slim and that, but, you know, you're not. he's not going to be have somebody bundle him into a car and go willingly. And they said, no, he, he would because they get them hooked on the drugs and then you can do anything with them because they become dependent. They either use them to, they'll get your kids to start stealing, you'll find stuff missing from a around your house which we never had so yeah it was it was quite like mind-blowing anyway that opened up a whole new thing with the trafficking side that it's a big thing the the child trafficking from 12 to 22 years old they mm. still that's the age that they're trafficking it's a very different side to the ones that are being groomed for mm. the pedophiles and yeah. all that so when they left I was obviously like this doesn't sound normal so I googled it and I phoned the lady from the human trafficking Nikki and I said to her, Nikki, I've been doing a lot of research and I can't find anything because they said he could have been taken to these fight clubs where they that's where they give you your your PCP, which makes you very violent and aggressive. So they put you either into a fight club where these kids are literally torn apart and when they don't need them, they just give them an overdose and leave them to die or into prostitution. Like you always think girls are the ones being prostituted, but it's a huge thing with boys. There's a lot of men out there that are, will pay a fortune to have a male prostitute. They keep them heavily dosed with drugs and they do whatever is needed. We have heard that there's a number of cases in Kloof where there's young girls been involved, but the families obviously don't want to come forward. We, The reason we are happy to come forward is we want to educate families and tell them, educate your kids. Because we think, you know, you go to a youth and your child is safe and I mean we have we've been in touch the youth pastor has been very good he's been in touch with us and we asked him and he said you know he he had phoned me to say that they had caught the kids with vapes there and they were in trouble and you know but he's obviously they it's a place that you send your your good kids and what a wonderful place for your kids that are up to no good to get in and you know taint all the other kids and get involved there so yeah so that that is where we've come from he's now um he went back to Akiso for two weeks he's now at a rehab out of the province he's away and we saw him this last weekend and he just said you know it's They've t- it's, they go back to grassroots. It's certainly not a luxury rehab. It's, you know, the boys are in a very different place to where the girls and the adults are. And, you know, he, he hates it, he said. But he said to us, thank you for sending me here because all I wanted to do, even when I came out of Akiso, was find what made me feel good. The narcotics unit that are doing the undercover investigation took the stuff away that he was smoking 
and it was lace. They call it indoor wet. Now with marijuana being legalized, it's it's a huge problem because they are growing it and spraying it continuously with your cocaine, your heroin, your PCP. And these these kids, you know, as kids, I'm sure a lot of parents have experimented with Dacha and had, you know, a few drags. It was Dacha then. This is not. They have gone on a completely different route. Um, Brad Nathanson and the other people that are investigating have said that they don't want to wait for kids to get hooked on grass and move on to the next thing. So they are using this, they are lacing it, and, you know, they are putting stuff into the kids' drinks. They are putting it into vape juices. I've got a little boy who's 13 at a school where he has got boys in their grade that he knows has vapes. They take them to parties. You know, the thing is, is they get handed around these vapes and my son could have taken the vape he had and been handing it around and it was laced with heroin a whole bottle of vape juice just full of heroin so you know and and i mean we we didn't know this but i mean i always thought it was your druggies on the street that did heroin and apparently a lot of the people on the street are ex-heroin addicts because they've been kicked out of home because of the violent rages because of stealing you know there's just so many factors and and it can affect anybody it doesn't matter whether you've got these perfect straight a students it doesn't matter whether you've got a child that is super protected at home they can find a way into anything and it's just to me it's just scary and and that is why we wanted to get this out there to warn parents and let them warn their kids to be aware of this sort of thing sure i mean it's hard to even comprehend and i mean as you saw my eyes welling up and down with tears throughout chatting i just it's as a mum, and i hear i go because <laughs> it's my Achilles heel all we want to do is protect our children of course so first question is how long has he been in rehab and how long will he be there for he has been there for eight weeks. It's been 11 weeks since he was in ICU. Um, and he, he literally went from hospital, from Interbeni, into Akiso and straight to the rehab. He's going to be there for a minimum of nine months because they say with heroin, it rewires your neuropathways. And your first hit on heroin, you become addicted. So you are permanently looking for that same high from your first one. But on speaking to a lot of heroin addicts that we've now been trying to do our homework with to find out more they say once you've had that first one it, you've never got that same feeling again so that's why so many people die from heroin overdoses because they are trying to get that feeling so they do more and more and more how um, long was the process of him going to his first youth meeting and vaping to the time of it all just going absolutely berserk he had his first episode in October where we ended up taking he was hospitalized taken away by paramedics and put into some Joseph's for a week because we thought it was you know more of a mental illness and then everything was fine after that and then it started up again end of March beginning of April so it's been like a few months and he's it's been like an 11 weeks since we found out 11 12 weeks since we found out exactly what it was and how have you handled how have you coped I mean listening to this I'm just like how have you got through this you know what, we've had wonderful people that have helped us. Um, we've had a huge support group. We The community 
policing forum have been involved. They've brought trauma counsellors in because my other, my little son has been horribly traumatised because mm. he didn't know if we were going to wake up in the mornings, what was going to happen. You know, it's 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 been difficult. It's also, you know, you sometimes hear yourself talking. I was talking to my friend on our way down and saying, you hear yourself talking and it sounds like a load of rubbish. It's, you know, I phoned the, the lady from Human Trafficking and I was chatting to Brad on our way down and I said, you know, it doesn't, you, you tell people and you can almost see that like disbelief on their faces. But our, our first question was, why did we not know about any of this? Why didn't we know about the human trafficking side, which is apparently a huge side in the drug in the drug side? And they said because people don't want to, they don't want that stigma attached to their names. People don't want to have there were drugs involved or anything else. So they shut everybody down at that level. Also, the kids go missing and you've got to keep quiet about it because you don't know if you're going to get your kid back if they've been trafficked. So it's there's a whole big underworld that's that's going on right on our doorsteps. And it's it's just so frightening. And they, they use kids to get kids hooked and involved and you know and it's just you know you, you sort of think you've made a new friend and was so excited that he'd made a new friend because he's homeschooled and he's got his riding mates which he sees on weekends but if we aren't riding he doesn't see anybody and you know they're all at different places at different times then you meet a friend who also is homeschooled and but at at an actual official homeschool a big one and um, there seems to be quite a problem there because there's a lot of people that have been with those kids that have been involved in drugs. We had a support group now where we've met other families whose kids from our area have all been caught up in the same thing and maybe not on the trafficking side, but stealing and damaging properties. And, you know, and it's just if you don't let people know what's out there, how do, how do they prepare their kids and how do they know how to, you know, safeguard your, your kids, your family? I mean, mm. you know, if if you are handing a vape around that's been laced with heroin, but you think you've got the juice from a friend, you know, and, and it's people think, well, vaping, you have no idea how many kids out there are vaping. And when you speak to the police and all that, they say it's a huge thing. I know as a mom, our default is guilt. Mm. Have you felt tremendous guilt through this journey? You know what? I actually don't think I have. I, I don't think I've had time to feel guilt. It's been more about how could we have been so stupid and not seen the signs. I didn't feel guilty because he's at home with us all the time. We don't allow our kids to go to shopping malls. If they go to movies, we are there with them. We drop them off or they're with their friends and then we're waiting at the mall for when they come out. We, we find out what time the movies finish. So it's not like they've. Um, he doesn't go to birthday parties because he doesn't have a big group of friends. He's got a very small group of friends, but his main thing in his life was his riding and his animals. But that's what's so scary is that this child is so protected, yet mm. he still got caught. Yeah. I mean, it's madness. I mean, there are a far uh, bigger, I'm sure, percentage of parents that just trust their child's word and let them go to shopping malls and let them go to movies with friends. Mm. But I mean, this is a kid that had a village around him. Yeah. You know, we, we and one of the things that my husband and I always said is, you know, because of the type of person he is, because he's very daring and he's not a leader, he's a follower. So if somebody says to him, Oh, have a drag on this. He will have a drag on it. If somebody says, "Oh, we're smoking. We're gonna have. We're gonna make this thing. It's it's stucker. Do you want? Do you want some?" He would say yes. He would be the first person to say it. And we've always said to our friends and to you know um, our family that we're so glad he's homeschooled because we'd be worried about what's out there and what would happen to him. So the only place he ever went was to like a youth. He hardly ever slept out. If he maybe slept out twice in the last few years, it's a lot because of his diabetes. We get up at night to 
check him, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, um, yeah. You seem so in control. I mean, I think if this was like one of my boys or my daughter, I just, I don't know how I'd even be able to articulate the trauma. I mean, you talk about mm-hmm. your son attacking your husband. You talk, I mean, the, the, the examples that you've given. Mm-hmm. I think of my precious child that I've poured so much love into. And to have that happen, I mean, what has been the lowest point in this journey? That moment where you just thought, oh my gosh. There's been there's been a few because we went up this weekend to see him and my, both my husband and I were terrified. We didn't know if he was going to turn on us, if he was going to abuse us when we had to leave him, and he he wasn't. He was he was the the person he always has been. You know that he's got that quirky personality and he cried, he sobbed, and we we made a decision we're not going to cry in front of him because we have to keep it together because he's the one that's falling apart. Yeah, my husband and I have spent hours talking about it, not sleeping at night and just terrified that he's diabetic and he's had to go away. But we were advised that if you want your son back, you have you can't do less than the nine months because he'll come out. It's a learnt behavior now, even though he didn't know it was heroin. It's what he's got used to and he's going to he's going to go back to that and you know what I'm just I'm grateful that it's not a mental illness that you know we were trying to have him committed into Town Hill they'd eventually accepted him and that was the same day that we found out it was drugs so you know he would have been locked up and treated for a mental illness he could have died from having the stuff now he's locked up and the stuff's coming out of his body and they just think he's gone crazy you know, we've got something we can work with. Do you it's, feel like it's almost a sense of relief? I mean, how strange that you would find, you know? Yes. To a point, yes, because he's now not being locked up. We thought that he had now got severe brain damage and he was mentally disturbed. You know, you're starting to think, is he a psychopath? Is he a, you know, and but those drugs called psychosis. And he, a lot of the stuff he doesn't remember doing, we had to write letters to him as a family individually to tell him what he's done to us as a family. Not a letter telling him how much we love him, but telling him what he has done that's destroyed the family. And he's, they've made him acknowledge it at his, at the, the um, facility he's at. And when he was talking to us about it on the weekend, he cried and cried. And you could see it wasn't something, take me home, poor me. It was, he was genuinely remorseful. He, he said he couldn't believe that he'd done that. He pulled a knife on his dad the one day and he said he actually can't believe that he did that. He, he says he doesn't remember taking the knife out the drawer. He doesn't remember anything. So, you know, when you look at that, he remembers he's got parts that he remembers. He remembers damaging a friend's car, which he's very regretful about. But I think that stuff was just continuously in his system that it, he just kept topping it up. Because he he had that vape juice and the vape that he could use at home. He'd go to his bedroom and, you know, he'd lock himself in the bathroom for ages. And he'd come out and you could see he hadn't been in the shower, but the shower's been running. So... Do you feel resentful? I mean, are you angry? I mean, if someone hijacked my child's innocence like yeah. this, I would be absolutely mortified. We are. We we are very upset about it. But, you know, the the fact that they're using other kids to do it is is what's so scary and and they've said to us that you know a lot of these kids that are targeted are not they it's not just to traffic them or anything like that it's to get them to become dealers even they will then need it so they say you go out and you give that to your mate and that's how it just grows and you end up with a population full of kids that are completely out of their minds on drugs and um, one of the things with that pcp it's uh, 
they say it, it causes this very similar thing to that drug flucker. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'd shown my kids videos on it and said, you know, this is what happens. You think they, they think they're superhuman. They've had people jumping out of 20 story buildings thinking, you know, with this PCP, thinking that they'll survive because they think they're superhuman. And if we hadn't had the trauma counselor, the police, the paramedics, everybody witnessing it, family, friends, it's, it almost doesn't sound like it's feasible that you can go from being this you know pleasant person who cares about people who have got you know problems and issues and to being so violent and so aggressive and so horrible and so strong it's you know it's it, it's almost like unfathomable that you can have this in a person and you know you would expect it to be coming from an adult I resent the people that are sitting at the top allowing this to happen getting the kids involved to do all this type of thing mm. I just that that is also like you know kids be aware of your surroundings be aware who you're with don't take anything don't take anything that's open don't don't have a drag on somebody's vape they're putting it in cigarettes these kids that all this happened to up in in Pretoria they you can buy that stuff over at a tobacconist, at a liquor store, they sell it as as you know your herbs, your blaze. It's something. It's a pot puree. But the kids know they can smoke it and get a super high. It's they all, and that is all synthetically manufactured, like drugs in there. Um, and now you you can buy a liquid that they call a incense that they now can put into the vapes and to, and you can buy it from almost anywhere. Oh. So you know when you look at that, it's like. Please, just educate your kids. So conversations, watch out for behavior Mm. and watch out who your kids hang out with. I mean, that's always been a given, right? Absolutely. The company that you keep. But I mean, you don't don't assume that when you're sending them to a so-called safe environment. Yes. But what is a safe environment these days, Mm. I suppose? Absolutely. So where to from here? Well, um, we... I don't know. We're only allowed to speak to our son once a week for ten minutes. It's it's very difficult. Do you um, cry? We, yes, we've Do done you? a lot of we've done a lot of it. But we also we also lost a daughter in a car accident. So you know we've we've still got him. We've got something to work with. So you know that that is always my saving grace. It's, mm. He hasn't. We we got him before he was taken. Before he died of an overdose, especially being a diabetic. You cannot take stuff like that. You you know anybody. Nobody can take stuff like that. But when you read what any of those drugs or chemicals can do to a diabetic, it's frightening. And they don't care whether you're diabetic, whether you whatever. I said, but why would they take him? Because he's diabetic. They don't care. They'll use him for whatever. If they put him in a fight club and he gets ripped to pieces, that's fine. They've made a fortune of money. People pay to go and see it. It's like your pit bull fighting in that. And, you know, it was like when you try and look for it and Google it, you can't find anything. But then you've got a whole other underworld with the dark net. (laughs) And that's where all this stuff goes down. And it's it's just so... It's unfathomable. It's like a movie. I mean, it doesn't uh, seem real. No, it's been a huge wake-up call to us because we never thought... We didn't even know about any of this. I'm sure as a mom, you know when you hold your child for the first time and you look down on their little faces, mm. you must just crave one of those moments with your boy that's just pure and nurturing and tender. Yeah, you do. You, abs- you absolutely do because, you know, there's this child and we battled to have him. Um, you know, all our very close friends, they've been with us right from the start. And, you know, they. but that's, that's, that's our precious boy. You know, how can this be happening? And, you know, you just, it's, yeah, it's, you do. You just, I think of when he was little. I look at little video clips of when he was little and I just think, you know, 
that that's what I would just I just want those moments back where you can't you know let anybody into their lives and it it is it's it's almost it's mind blowing it's you know you you are, we don't you almost don't believe it's happening you kind of have to pinch yourself and think you know how how can this happen especially to somebody like him who is never out there he doesn't leave our property he hasn't left our property in months you know, he goes to youth, he rides, that's it. So we're going to have a happy happy start to the new beginning. So when he comes out of rehab, he's gonna, he's everything's going to be wonderfully warm and yes. and looked after. And and, he, and also another thing that, you know, um, the, the, with the rehabs, none of those 21-day things work. I've spoken to so many parents. The three-week things, the you know, we did our full homework before we got involved here. And, and I was like, I'm never sending my kid that far away. You know, I can't get to him quickly. And and now you're handing over your child that you have done everything with and got up every two hours at night to test, to make sure he doesn't have a low. And you've now got to trust other people with him. Surrender. And it's, it's really, you either do that or you're going to lose him. And... Yeah, so the facility he's in has had a huge success rate. They've had families from overseas go there that are successful. It's also for behavior. It's not just um, for drug addiction and that. Yeah, we just, we're just praying that when he comes out, we're going to get our boy back. And what we saw this weekend, he, he's definitely on the right track. That's wonderful. So, which is just thank you for your bravery. And um, I just wish you guys all the love in the universe. Thank you so much. Thank you. Shorten your workday. Listen to Jane Lindley Thomas on East Coast Radio. Weekday afternoons from 12 to 3 p.m.